Hello, and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about reverse imprinting so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read The Time Traveler's Wife by Audrey Niffenegger. Joining us to discuss this Patreon choice book is Ashley, a Chicagoan and librarian who has seen every time travel episode of Star Trek and also has been to the Newberry Library. (laughs) Welcome back, Ashley. Hi, guys. It's good to be back. Thank you so much. It's good to have you. Um, I will say right up at the top of this episode that I am very clearly very sick and I'm sorry that you have to listen to me like this but there's just literally no time to reschedule this episode (laughs) we'll try our best to um do the heavy verbal lifting for kate so you can just like chime in with your peak insights about how the book should have been gayer and scarier absolutely yes more ghosts this book would love some ghosts it would really benefit for some some ghosts (laughs) i love that idea so this book um every year our Beloved Patreon patrons get to vote on a book for us to read, and this is what they chose. And I was surprised because from the beginning, this was like running away with the poll, and I was like, that's interesting. Like, why? I really thought it was going to be like more Colleen Hoover or like, oh, um, y'all, y'all have done Colleen Hoover. I'm sorry to interrupt. We have, yeah, we've done two actually because we also went on overdue to do one. Oh wow! Um, yeah. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, we're we're very brave, very strong. It was a lot. It was a lot. The first book of hers I read, so that's amazing. Uh, anyway, so I was really surprised by this because this is a book I read, I think, like in high school, and I remember like kind of liking it, and then I hadn't really thought about it in a long time, and then I was like, oh, they want us to read this, okay. Um, oh, and some content warnings for the book. I, uh, t- confusing issues of age and consent, I guess. Um, some problematic dialect from characters of color. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, um, I, yeah, the time travel. I yeah, my content warning was for like weird time travel stuff that doesn't make sense to me. But I guess it's time travel, so do what you like, Audrey. Yeah. So and then partly because you know Kate's usually like our our plot queen, and she is sick, and also partly because this book has a really convoluted plot. I just don't think we can go into all the ins and outs of it, so we're not going to. And um, we'll just kind of. <laughs> go on vibes and see see where that gets us so it's the story of you'll never believe a time traveler and his wife mm-hmm. and the time traveler's name is henry de tamble and he's a librarian and his wife is claire abshire and she's an artist who makes paper sculptures and uh as you might guess from someone who's able to make paper sculptures as a career is from a wealthy family and henry is chronologically impaired and so he travels through time but sort of at random and he can't control it and it is he goes he goes mostly to places that are familiar to him and he is most likely to to time travel when he is under a great amount of stress 
So obviously, when you're under a great amount of stress is the time you probably want to time travel least. Mm-hmm. And I think there's other stuff too, like like flashing. He doesn't watch TV because the flickering will trigger him as well. Yeah. So there's a couple of different things that like set him off and set him going. Yeah. And sometimes it seems like just random, but yeah, he has mm-hmm. some sort of like triggers that he tries to avoid and he's always trying to do um, like jogging and like physical activity also can help keep him grounded. Um, so he's also like very horny. This book is way hornier than I remembered it being. Was it, wait, was the was the time travel associated with the the sex? I don't. He says that when he's having sex, especially when he's having sex with Claire, he feels so grounded in the moment oh, that right. he's unlikely right. to time travel. Okay, so he doesn't time travel when he's okay. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. I also didn't remember. I read this book also when it first came out. I actually have a very vivid memory of my mom had asked me, I think it was like maybe my senior year of high school or maybe after my senior year of high school or when I was in college, but I was I was about 18. My mom asked me to take my brother to the mall to hang out with his friends and told me that if I did it, I could purchase myself a book at Walden Books in the mall. Ooh, what a treat. And I was very excited. And then (laughs) um, locked myself out of my mother's minivan. So I had, she had to come to the mall anyway to unlock the car. And also because she had said, like, obviously I could use her credit card to buy me that book because that's why it was a gift um, at the the bookstore. They tried to ID me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which they I was able to charm them out of not doing it by being like, oh, my God, my I locked myself out of my car and everything's in my car. And which all of that was true. But also, if I had had access to the car where my driver's license was, I would and not I- have been able to produce an ID that had my mother's <laughs> name on it. Um, but this was the book I bought. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you were scamming like Henry before uh, you even read the book. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, if a, if a time-traveling older version of yourself had come back... <laughs> She would have taught you how to just steal that book. <laughs> um, I I definitely tried to read this book, and there is a part. Um, I should I just spoil it? Should I just it's the part where yeah, dive in. Uh, Henry is fifteen, and he's also fifteen. And the book I think says something like, "We did what we what we did in like times like that." And he was like, "I'm not gay, but." And I was like, I think that was the point, like when I read it before and I was like, I'm putting this, like, this is, this is a lot for me right now. I think it was just like something I was not prepared for. Um, and, yeah. You know, and and like, there's yeah. also an aside that's like, admit it. Like if you could have another 15 year old version of yourself, you would try this too. And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. It, it, I did think about it a little bit. I, I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe. Oh, I, but I would. Maybe. <laughs> I would. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I would definitely at least think about it, even if I decided not to. I think it would give me pause. So, but at the time when I was reading this, and I probably was, I'm probably around Kate's age. I was like, oh no, I don't know if I'm, I'm ready for this right now. But you know, I was full feet, two jumped in two feet this time. You know, 
ready to go. Two feet straight into Henry's mouth. <laughs> it is. <Yeah. laughs> well, that's the first line. That's the first line of the book, right? I think, or it's like one of the first ones. It's He's like sucking on toes. The toe sucking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yet again, I I did not remember that this book was so horny. So like, I get it's not like look, I've read plenty of smut. Like, let's let's keep it real. But like, I, yeah, I just was including not for this podcast. Yes. Oh, yeah. I was rem- reminiscing about my uh, dinosaur sex book or the dinosaur sex books you had me read and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. just really life changing. I'm so happy that I did that. <laughs> um, so this uh, was pretty tame. Yeah, so uh, that's really so. like two kind of time travel books you've read. Really. <laughs> <laughs> time travel books that are horny. That is my that is my wheelhouse. That is what I do on this podcast. <laughs> that is that is my expertise. Done. <sighs> Oh man! <laughs> I do also want to comment while I'm thinking about it that like Renata's little joke at the beginning about how I will just occasionally um, come in and talk about how there should be more gay characters. There are like at least two or three distinctive points in this book where like Henry does a very like late 90s early aughts. Um, I'm not gay, but like I care about gay people, but I'm definitely not gay. And like at one point, he a guy calls him the f slur, and he like beats the crap out of him, and he's like, "Oh, Oh, like I'm not gay, but like I definitely like stole these clothes that I'm wearing from a gay guy, and I'm not homophobic, so I'm beating (laughs) this guy up, so it's like one less homophobe around, but also I'm very manly and not gay." Yeah. <laughs> it's that very like late 90s early aughts flavor of like anti-homophobic but actually like still kind of gay panicky. Oh yeah. 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 Uh yeah, we should say this book I th- came out uh 2003. Yes. Oh no. Like I, there's that and then there's just like the representation. I know that this is something I, it's something that I always look at and so whenever I see like a especially a black character but a character of color I always like perk up and uh it is uh not what I would say as progressive uh even for the time. I mean, it's hard to think that that was 20 years ago, but like it's just there's just a couple moments where I was like, "Oh no." Um I don't know. We could get into that later, I guess, but the the representation is shaky for sure shaky for sure yes (laughs) uh yeah because i was like zipping along and i was like oh yeah like i'm enjoying this book this isn't so bad and then like celia opened her mouth for her dialogue and i was like no (laughs) not this there was this um tweet many a while ago that said like when sometimes when like white authors or people try to make black people talk it sounds like starfire from uh teen titans where it's like just <laughs> that much off and so like that's what when i when i read this i was like oh my god this is starfire all over again just like, <laughs> i don't know if i don't know if this author has met a black person or talked to a black person like it's just there's just moments like that where you're just like no yeah unclear and i was like uh i mean it depends on where she was in chicago i guess but like oof, no so that was a fun moment for me yeah, I a couple of the first notes that I took from this were one, I do think that if a man wrote this book, he'd be on a watch list, but I have to admit, I don't hate it. But then I, I read a little further and wrote, uh oh, the black characters speak in dialect. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I stand by both of those. Oh, no. I think with the, in the, like, the watch list thing, like, I guess, like, 
she's trying to show the weirdness of like meeting your wife as a child and as a teenager and stuff. But there's a lot of like Oedipal stuff. There's a lot of like, I felt she felt maternal, even though like she was younger than me. And there's a lot of like, it's just, it's just off putting to me. Like that was a wild thing. Or there'd be times when she was like 16 and he's like kissing her and he's like a grown ass man. And it's like, please grown ass man, do not touch the 16 year old. Like there were just a couple of times where I was like, I get you're trying to show the, the dissonance of this and the weirdness of it, but no, like just no. Um, it was that was like very that would bring me out of the book like in a second like all the time yeah I I do agree on that point um I I feel like it, I I could have ha- I I didn't hate this book I didn't love it I don't even know if I liked it but it's by f- it's far from the worst thing that we've read and mm-hmm, it mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. like there were just parts of it that made me feel weird and all of the stuff <laughs> too, like the whole concept of him like going back, like it's kind of cute when she's a little kid, but it's also weird. And it's weirder when she starts like constantly hitting on him mm-hmm. and when he starts like noticing her as like a sexual being. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, like- I just, oh yeah. Yeah. He, she hits about 16 and it gets real weird real fast um, yes. but also it jumps around so it's like not a consist- it's just like oh this is like a surprise like gross part all of a sudden or I shouldn't say gross but just like a part that like weirded me out I wanted to speak in defense of this book before um, <laughs> I may please um, so in the intro I called it reverse imprinting because of course in Twilight when you know Jacob imprints on the baby and he's like no man it's not creepy because like when she's young it's like a protective like paternal bond and then it can turn mm-hmm. into romance later mm-hmm. and I'm like no creepy but in this because of the way the time travel works when he meets her for the first time she's an adult and so it's an older version of him who's like already married to adult Claire, who's like in stress returning to younger Claire. And so it is weird when she's like horny for him as a teen. But I think there is something sort of like beautiful about, you know, with a with a love interest or just a friend when you're like, wow, like I wonder what you were like as a child and like having this sense of like, you know, loving a person's whole history. And because it's not that he fell in love with her when she was six and then he was like waiting for her, but rather that like he already like knows and loves her as an adult. And then he's like returning to see her as a child because he's doing it in that order. I find it a lot less creepy Mm. than the other way around of like starting with baby and then going to adult. And I think, I think it's sort of like, sweet and beautiful actually yeah but then when they do start fucking it's weird yeah i i i appreciate that the idea of like i'm coming back to you when it was a simpler time and we weren't like bogged down with like um i guess oh we should have done a content warning for like like miscarriages there are several miscarriages yeah I'm sorry, uh, but so like they're having a difficult time. They're trying to conceive, and it's just not happening for various reasons. And um, I could see the idea of like returning to a simpler time, or like I, you know, he's stressed out about whatever. So uh, I guess that's sweet. I, I still, uh, I, I'm not there with you. I'm not enlightened to that level with you. Not maybe one day, 
but like I'm not there yet. <laughs> yeah, it's it's total. I think that's a totally fair reading of it. Um, it's not. It is not how I felt, but I I think that, that is definitely what she, the writer was going for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I totally get that. I feel like, and not to like, not to be this guy, but I do feel <laughs> like the fact that he's a man and she's a woman and he's an adult yes. man. And she's a child, a girl child, is part of what gives it, like, I feel like if this was a queer relationship, I would be quicker to be like, oh, like, this is very sweet. But but just like the, the I can't divorce my brain from the gender aspects of it, mm-hmm. uh, which is the also the other thing about this book that kind of, like has always sort of rubbed me the wrong way is that like it is it is just a very deeply sad book and so much of it is about her waiting for him and putting other things and experiences in her life on Mm -hmm. hold to wait for him Mm -hmm. and that is also like i can't divorce myself from the gender of it for that as well yeah i was thinking about that because um there's a part where they talk about how she was like, oh, I had sex with a couple other people. And like, she even had like a lesbian experience, but it was a mistake. And uh, she was like, I was just waiting for you. And like, I guess like he was her first because um, of time travel. Mm-hmm. So, but like, you know, he's, um, you know, screwing around with like other people. And like, you know, there's like a, there's like one woman specifically that like keeps coming up in their lives. But like, you know, he's able to have this like full experience. I mean, not to say that her experience wasn't full, but like, she's like, I already knew that you were going to be the person. And like, he doesn't know until like much later. So like, he does not live his life like in this waiting pattern, this holding pattern. And so that part, kind of did make me uncomfortable and like he's like oh yeah i like had sex with this woman and you know she's like oh well i drunkenly i don't even i think he tell i think she tells him that like she has sex with their their friend but like it's like a, a hidden thing and meanwhile he's like yeah i was all over chicago like voting people so you know i i that part like also gave me pause like why does it have to be that way it'd be interesting again like if the genders were swapped i, I don't know how i would feel about it um, but it did feel very like gendered, like I'll wait for you, like. Well, and and it is gendered. And I read an interview with Audrey Niffenegger where she talked about how this was sort of like a metaphor or like her processing the way that like and you know, I, like we said, this book is twenty years old, and she's talking about a mindset that's even older. But talking about this kind of like housewife mentality of like the woman at home like waiting for her man because he's at work and she's at home and like there is an intentional symbolism to Mm. it that that she was like working through like it's definitely not like a model relationship and i'm not here to be like wow this is like Mm. my dream situation is to have my my husband unstuck in time and like visiting me as a child. Like, no, but like symbolically I did think that the stuff Mm. of adult him visiting her as a child was a lot less creepy than it sounds on paper. And I think maybe that's some of why this book was suggested by Patreon is because I think it was like, Oh, this book where this time traveling man like skeeves on his like six year old wife. And like, I, I really don't think it was like as I don't think it's nearly as like skeevy as it sounds in summary to me. Yeah, not not the six year again. Like I, when it gets to teenager years, when she's like fifteen and sixteen, yeah. then it gets a little bit more uh, dicey because he's like, I realized that she was a woman, and I'm trying not to imagine her in this way. And it's like you don't have to put all this in the book, ma'am. Like this is not a necessary part of the plot. So it just it just draws attention to it in a way that like kind of made me uncomfortable. 
but yeah, the six-year-old stuff, you know, that's I that's not that I don't know that didn't bother me as much as like some of the teenage stuff. Yeah, yeah I would sure. agree with that. Um, and I think too, like the waiting for me even extends towards like, you know, the the end, like the last bit of the book of her in her old age still waiting for him because she knows that he she's going to see him one more time, and I just like kind of want to like. I don't know, shake her a little bit and be like, your whole life has been waiting for about waiting for this man. And I kind of hate that for you. Yeah. And I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't think it's aspirational. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. I know, like, mm-hmm. she's yeah. clearly no more than, like, you know, people who write the sort of romance, the sort of bad romance novels that we read on this podcast. <laughs> would be held up as aspirational to like the way that women should live their lives. But it is just like, as a reading experience, it is sad and uncomfortable for me in a way that I don't necessarily think she intended. I mean, mm. yeah, I don't know. I think it is supposed to be a sad book, though. Oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, like, it is It definitely supposed to be sad. Like, it is very tragic, especially in the second half. But, like, the type of sadness that I feel, I think, is not in addition to the other sadnesses that I feel. Yeah. So just to, if you're not already familiar with the plot and if this um, hasn't given it to you. So, you know, Henry's on second time and he and Claire meet in real time when Claire is 20 and he's 28, which by the way, don't tell the age gap girlies about this one because even, you know, when like, let alone like, you know, a a 16 year old and like a 40 year old or whatever it is when he older him time travels back, like a 20 year old and a 28 year old is a little bit like eyebrow raise, you know? Um, But they're in love. So deal with it. So anyway, they, they get married and uh, she becomes the time traveler's wife as prophesied by the title. <laughs> and there's just a lot of like back and forth and adventures throughout time. But some of the big things are they want to have a child. And like Ashley mentioned, she keeps miscarrying and it, it gets into some kind of like genetics mumbo jumbo of like Henry has the time traveler gene and they have to find mm-hmm. like specialists to, to treat the condition of time traveling and there's some stuff that would probably would make like some actual geneticist frown, but I was like, sure, yeah, do it, do the science, doctor. I will say I did not break into conversation about that specific part, but I was staying with our uh, resident geneticist, the worst bestsellers resident geneticist, Sarah, Doctor Sarah, um, when I was rereading this earlier this week and i i was chuckling at reading such bad science while literally sitting on her couch <laughs> <laughs> did, did you did you ask her were you like is this like something i mean obviously time travel is not possible but like did you i don't even know how to phrase the question i was trying to ask like did you show it to her was she like what is this i i didn't i should have I should, have, I should have taken that opportunity when it was presented to me but instead i just kind of had a little chuckle <laughs> um anyway so that's a major thing is like trying to get pregnant and then finally she does get pregnant and has a daughter named alba um another thing that's like heavily foreshadowed is the way that henry time travels when he travels through time he can't bring 
anything with him, including his clothes. So he just like appears somewhere naked. And so it's kind of a survivalist story. And so we have Mm -hmm. scenes of like him teaching his younger self, like how to pickpocket and how to steal clothes so that he can like be prepared um, for when he's like unexpectedly dropped somewhere nude and broke. And then um, there's all this foreshadowing of like, you know, he was like reading first aid guides and how to deal with hypothermia. And if anything ever happened to his feet, he's like, I would mm-hmm. be doomed um, because I need to be able to like run away when I show up somewhere nude and like cops chase me and like blah, blah, blah. And then he time travels himself into a parking garage in the middle of Chicago winter, gets hypothermia, has to have his feet amputated. And shortly thereafter uh, is is killed by Claire's brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's also foreshadowed um, because when he first meets her, she's a, ch- a small child and he is an adult man who is already married to adult her. And he takes her journal and writes down a list of dates that are all of the times that he is going to see her uh, right up until she's 18. And then he won't see her again for two years And there's a night where she wakes up and she sees him with her father and brother outside, but it's, but it's not one of the dates that's on the list. And she's like, oh, it probably wasn't him. Like, it's late at night. I'm tired. I probably like just, I want him to be here. So I'm imagining that that's the person who is with my father and brother. But spoiler alert, it is him. And he has been shot by her brother. And then time travels from there back to grown up Claire, where he promptly like dies in her arms. But like he's like gut shot, so it's like yeah, and it's like it's at a it's at like a New Year's Eve party, so there's like ton of people there, right? And like he, it's just really distressing. It's a really distressing end to his life. Um, there, there's more of the sadness that you mentioned. It's just a wild situation. Yeah, and it's a party he insisted that they throw because he uh, knows it's going to be his last night in life and he wants to say goodbye to everybody. Wow. And then he knows. <laughs> Did he know he was going to come back? Like, all right, yeah. I don't it's know. Pretty, it's a pretty bad scene. It's a, it's a, it's a bad scene. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was pretty uh, graphic um, for I this book, know. I guess. Yeah, in terms of like the mechanics of time travel and like all the dates and stuff that he has. I don't know. I just try not to think about it too hard because thinking about time Mm-mm. traveling usually gives me kind of a tummy ache. So <laughs> <laughs> it was it was very confusing. Like so I joked about watching like all the different like time travel Star Trek episodes, but like you know there are usually like certain rules around time travel, and one of them is that you don't meet yourself. And so like I found that very disorienting. Like he, I mean, he knew that he was going to meet himself, and oftentimes like he was his own guide. Uh, into learning things or knowing that something was going to happen and so I was like wait this is not like usually like it's some kind of antimatter explosion or something when this happens in science fiction um I know this book is not uh trying to achieve science fictional accuracy but like I that was very uh disorienting to me um I just thought it was really it, it was it was uh it was unexpected and I guess it was interesting like the the the, the thought experiment of how you would handle seeing yourself as an older person or as a younger person but as a science fiction nerd, I was like, what is happening here? I don't understand. Yeah, it's definitely coming at it from more of a literary fiction <laughs> perspective yeah. than a science fiction perspective. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And again, I didn't hate it because I have a real capacity for just being like, uh-huh, sure. Anyway. <laughs> um, another thing about it that this book is pretty known for, which is why I was like, oh, we got to get a Chicago girly on the guest. I was like, this is a book set in Chicago and it's very like name dropping, like very specific places, streets, corners, like, and this is something that I don't care about. And like, like Chicago interests me a little more than most because that's a city I'm pretty familiar with. But like, I, you know, I don't care about a fantasy map. I also don't care about a real map. Like, if you tell me like the address <laughs> of a place in a book, I'm like, I don't care. What? Like, but that's just me, and I know other people care about that. So, Ashley, how did uh, how did the Chicago of this book treat you? Unfortunately, like most people from Chicago, I care a lot about Chicago. And um, there's a, another quote. Like, I wish I loved anything as much as people from Chicago love Chicago. I'm definitely <laughs> one of those people. I am obnoxious about it. So, like, and I felt a responsibility when you're like, I, we need a Chicago. And I was like, well, I am a Chicago and I will do my best. So, like, I looked up most of the places that wow. they referenced. <laughs> and I think most of that, like, most of them were good, like, solid references. I, I do get annoyed. If it's a city I know, um, I remember uh, Divergent. I don't know if you guys have read that book. Oh, yes, um, we have. <laughs> <laughs> but um there in the, when i read that book um i think she the um they they only go to like the john hancock building and navy pier which is all downtown and i was like who wrote this and then i looked and saw that she went to school in evanston and i was like okay that makes sense to me like this is someone who has not um lived here this is someone who has only experienced chicago as a tourist and so a lot of the places that she mentioned in this book are like bars, uh, some of which ha that have closed, um, you know, before I could frequent them. Um, there's the one like Berlin, there's a club that he goes to to meet Ingrid and Celia, Ingrid, uh, his girlfriend, or his ex-girlfriend and Celia. That's a bar I have been by numerous times, I've never been in, but the people I know that like it, like love it. Um, there's a restaurant, Katsu, uh, a, a Japanese restaurant that's mentioned that was like a like a kind of really important restaurant. Like it, people really loved it. It was on the far north side. And when it closed, people were like in mourning. She talks a lot about the different um, museums, which I thought was really cool. Um, she talks about like what's actually in those museums and um, not just the like um, the ones that you've seen on Ferris Bueller, those, those art pieces, like a lot of um, different things. Um, and then she mentioned some of the neighborhoods. Um, she talks about High Park, which is actually, um, I think it's like the only, no, she talks about Pilsen too. Those are both Southside uh, neighborhoods. And uh, High Park I have spent a lot of time in, and she it talks about like how charming it is. And I'm like, I've been spent too much time in High Park to see much of its charm anymore. But like <laughs> I do, um, you know, it, it can be pretty in the fall. Um, <laughs> so I think that like as someone who does get distracted when, I, you know, I feel like Chicago is not represented well, I think that um, she did a really good job. I think it, it covered a lot of Chicago that like, a tourist is not necessarily going to see. I recognize places from it. Like when she's at one point, they say they live on Ainsley and Lincoln Square, and like that's not that far from where I lived for a time. So like there were definitely like things I could recognize, and it and it felt like someone who actually lived here, who had been here, who who loved Chicago. And so I did really enjoy seeing that stuff. And there there's things like I recognize. There's um they mentioned Ed Devevic Ed Ed Devevic. I don't know if um you guys have ever been there. It's like a it's kind of like a snarky joint where like the waiters will kind of like make fun of you. And uh, I remember going one time with my mom and she did not know that that was part of the joke. And she almost cussed out a waiter. Um, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so I, I saw that name and it like, uh, like started my fight or flight response, but like um, there other times um, there, it, I thought it was a really good representation of Chicago. And I, I did actually really enjoy that part of it. I thought it was um, 
to me like immersive it made me feel like i like this person knew what they were talking about and wasn't just there for like you know to go downtown and go to navy fair and come home so i give it two chicago thumbs up like i i support that part of it all right do you do you give it um the the four um the stars stars on the chicago flag (laughs) I'll give, it, I'll give it at least three and a half stars on the Chicago play. All right. Um, I will say, one thing that I always, because I'm from the South side. And so like the people, there's not always a ton of like representation of that. So, and there wasn't in this book, but I mean, she goes to Hyde Park, like they go to the University of Chicago for, um, for the doctor that they use and they go to Pilsen. Um, so, you know, those places get a mention a lot of times. It's like, it's like half a, a, a believe two-thirds of the city of the south side and the west side and they do mention the south i should forgot they they mentioned the south side and the west side and it's like oh the west side will get gentrify and the south side will get worse and it's actually not like incorrect but i still was kind of mad about it and um <laughs> they talked about like wrigley field getting replaced by like a fancy um stadium and i was like the rickets are too cheap for that that hasn't happened yet um <laughs> so like there were some interesting like predictions of that you know so that's that, that would be my only quibble so i would give it three and a half out of all four right Chicago that's parts. pretty good I think so. Yeah. So, oh, one thing I want to talk about is I read a criticism of the novel that was like, "Why didn't Henry do anything to prevent 9/11?" <laughs> and I do just want to be like, "What the fuck was he gonna do?" Like, it's a recurring <laughs> thing that no one believes him when he's like, he's just some guy. Like, what's he gonna do? Show up nude at the airport and be like, "You got to like- get on the plane." Don't get on the plane. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> like though, right? there's like, plenty of change the past. There's plenty of like valid problems to point out with this book, but Henry fix nine eleven is not one of them. <laughs> if he had only tried hard enough, then not he could have oh put it. Oh, he could have got to New York somehow, and I don't know. I don't know what happened. That's 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 funny. That's amazing. And for that to be the specific one, not like why didn't Henry kill Hitler, but like <laughs> well, I travel back that far. Now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is that what I can answer? Like, yeah, because yeah, he couldn't go back that far. But he does yeah. live through two thousand one. Like that's, that's in true. his natural okay. life timeline. Yes. And like, because nine eleven does happen in this book, where he's like, "Don't mm-hmm. turn on the radio. I want to have like a normal morning first mm-hmm. or whatever." Yeah, and I think the kid, the, uh, Alba, is born not long after nine eleven. I want to say, yeah. So, um, it's part of the timeline. I will say, like, I complained about the time travel. Uh, it may not be the like methodology or the, the the physics that I would like, but it did kind of have a rhyme and reason to it. And so it deemed, did seem consistent. There were rules to it. And I did, like, I was interested to see, like, how that went and how that was followed. And I thought that um, it, it did a good job. Like, I know we're talking about it being a literary book, but I think it was still, like, consistent for what it was. Um, yeah. And also consistent in the fact that he could not stop 9-11, no matter how hard he tried. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they do little tests, too, where, like, Claire's drawing a picture and she goes to draw to write the her name and date at the bottom, or like to sign it and date it. And he's like, "No, I've seen that picture. We have it framed in your house, and you didn't date it." And then she's like, "Oh yeah," and then she like puts the date on it anyway, just to like test it. And then later that same day in the past, he's like, "What did you do with the date?" And she's like, "Oh, I got superstitious, and I like trimmed the bottom off the drawing because of what you said, and I didn't want to like ruin the future or something." 
Yeah, I feel like, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just like less of a, um, a stickler for time uh, normalcy, but like, I think I would have played with that. If I was, if I was Henry, I would have been uh, doing a lot more stuff. Like they get, um, at one point, they want a bigger house, or Claire wants a bigger house. And so Henry uses his time travel ability to like, to, to win the lottery. And Claire's like, oh, I feel like this is cheating somehow. And I was like, are you serious? Like, I would have done that. I mean, that would have been the first thing I did. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to just gonna be real with you. I would have, that would have been the first thing I did. Like, uh, I don't have any compunctions about like time crime. Like, I would just have done that. And like, I thought, I, I, I don't know. I, I was like, man, these, these people are much better than I am because I would have been scamming immediately. Yeah, it, it really does seem like a victimless crime. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah, oh, well, we've talked some about how horny this book is, but I don't think we've oh, talked God. as much about how horny it is as is needed to really, like, <laughs> describe the horniness. All, all they do is, like, time travel and have sex. Um, yeah. It's just the wildest. It's It's... There is literally a point where Claire has to say to him, like, we have sex too much. And he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, I'm sore all the time. Like, I can't sit down currently because you fucked me so much. And he's like, oh, I just thought everybody liked to fuck that much. I guess it's because of time travel or not. It's never really it's never really explained if it is, if his extra horniness comes specifically. Like, he says that he likes having sex because it keeps him grounded, but his like level of horniness is not ever like officially explained by the time travel. <laughs> he could just be like a really horny dude time travel or not. But yeah, they, f- they fuck like all the time. <laughs> I'm going to do a mini dramatic reading to illustrate the horniness. Claire, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I wasn't thinking. It's just, you know, there are days when I can't sit down. Well, you just have to say, say, Not tonight, dear. We've already done it 23 times today, and I would rather read a bleak house. And you will meekly cease and desist? I did just then, didn't I? That was pretty meek. Yeah, but then I felt guilty. You can't expect me to help you out there. It may be my only hope. Day after day, week after week, I will languish, starving for a kiss, withering away for want of a blowjob. And after a while, you will look up from your book and realize that I'm actually going to die at your feet if you don't fuck me immediately. But I won't say a word. Maybe a few little whimpering noises? But I don't know. I mean, I'm exhausted and you seem fine. Am I abnormal or something? Claire. Yes? It may be indelicate to mention this, but if you'll excuse me for saying so, your sex drive far outstrips that of almost all the women I've dated. Most women would have cried uncle and turned on their answering machines months ago, but I should have thought, you always seemed into it. But if it's too much or you don't feel like it, you have to say so, because otherwise I'll be tiptoeing around, wondering if I'm burdening you with my hideous demands. But how much sex is enough? For me? Oh, God, my idea of the perfect life would be if we just stayed in bed all the time. We could make love more or less continuously and only get up to bring in supplies, you know, fresh water and fruit to prevent scurvy and make occasional trips to the bathroom to shave before diving back into bed. And once in a while, we could change the sheets and go to the movies to prevent bed sores. <laughs> he's he's just a wicked horny dude. There, There are just so many scenes where like oh i mean like it fades to black like there's i don't 
I don't think there's a lot of like actual sex, um, but it, it it's all the time. It's often. Yeah, it's not um, like an explicitly erotic novel. It's just a mm-mm. horny novel. Mm-mm. I, and, I don't know. Like, I, I, I guess, like, I think the love story itself was, like, compelling to me. And maybe it was just because they were just so horny. It's like, well, they must be in love. Why else would they fucking so much? Makes sense. One thing we haven't, I think, explicitly said is that their daughter, Alba, also has the time travel gene. Mm-hmm. And- and um, I thought that was kind of fun and cute because as like a child, she time travels to visit like slightly younger version of herself. And they, like, I, it was just like sweet. And like, um, maybe because she was like able to learn from Henry or for whatever reason, like she kind of has better control over it than Henry does. But, it, and it's also sad because Henry dies uh, by being shot by uh Claire's brother in the past in in real time when Alba is five years old but then because of time travel like he's not quote continuously dead for her so like sometimes younger Henry travels to the future to see her from like when he was still alive mm-hmm and then, like, she, I think, time travels to him at one point, like, when they go to the beach. Or, yeah. no, they both time travel together, I think. Like, that part was really, like, I did really, like, the process to get to Alba was difficult. Because, like, I think the idea was that, like, the, the fetuses would, like, time travel outside of the body. And so that's why it kept, like, having issues. But so when they eventually did have her, though, I should, oh, the part when, um, I think that's when, like, Henry time travels and he and Claire are asleep and like he looks over her and like he has sex with her like while his other self is in the bed and I was like is this cheating on your wife if you're like fucking a younger <laughs> version of yourself like I was just like <laughs> but so like that's how it ends up happening but like I thought that like that like the daughter and like the times when they try and travel back and forth with each other was really really sweet i liked alba like i was like i would like to read her book to see what she does because i thought she was really cute and interesting there is an alba book um or it's going to come out soon yeah it's called the other husband wow and apparently this is something that audrey niffenegger has been like saying she's going to do for like years and years and years and then it's finally um almost coming out. Wow. Let me double check that. I'm looking it up. This is crazy. My girl Audrey. Okay. Um yeah, okay, yeah. It's a it's the other husband. Have uh, this is a little bit of a sidebar, but have you guys seen the movie or the show? No. I have not. Um and I know that the movie kind of flopped and the show kind of flopped and was like pulled from mm-hmm. HBO. So like you can't even watch the show anymore. Oh, dang, yeah. I definitely would have watched that. Uh, I'm I'm curious about the movie. I can't remember. I'm gonna look up and see who was in it. But like, I think the movie was like, Rachel McAdams. Oh, um, and I don't know who Henry was. But also, they're trying again, and they're doing a musical version of it, like a oh, stage no. musical Mm-mm. with music by Joss Stone, which is oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I was like, absolutely not. And I'm like, wait a minute, Joss Stone, huh? That's interesting. Oh, it's Rachel McAdams and Eric Bana who like. Oh sure. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know about those casting choices, but um, okay. I I'll be curious. I'll 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 be curious to watch it. Like I'm curious to see what it is like. I, I think it's a hard movie to film. It's long. Or how yeah. to film it's long, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. And and I think a lot of the prose is like lovely, 
Like, mm-hmm. I do think she's a good writer, even if some of the stuff is questionable. And so I think some of just the, like, prose would be hard to translate. Yeah, there's a couple of, there are a couple of lines that are, like, solid. And then there are a couple, there's one that I was like, yo, what am I, re-? like, um, really early in the book, he talks about having an erection that's probably tall enough to ride some of the scarier rides of Great America without a parent. I was like, <laughs> this is a wild analogy for me. Um, Great America is a, 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 a nearby um, theme park uh, in Gurney, the northern suburbs. And But there's other, like, there one line that I saved, but don't you think I persist that it's better to be extremely happy for a short while, even if you lose it, than, just, than to just be okay for your whole life? I was like, okay, like, you, you might have did something there. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that would translate. Uh, I'm curious. And I like, I mean, Rachel McAdams is wonderful, so I'd be curious to see what she does. But, yeah. Um trying to think if there's anything else uh there's a lot of like intergenerational trauma and like bad parent stuff that we're sort of skipping over but that's something i think that brings claire and henry together is they both have like sort of fraught family relationships Mm -hmm. and tragedy um yeah henry's oh but then there was a part when like i think henry i think when henry and claire meet for the first time like in in the right time when like not like when there's twenty, like, okay. yeah, yes, but like he, they, they go back to his apartment and he puts on his mother's music, and I was like, oh, this yeah. is a wild choice. Oh my god, yes, that's, <laughs> that's so a weird. wild choice to to have to have sex with if you were going to if that was the goal and you're putting on your mom's. I like, I was like, this is not how I get down, but like, hey, do what you got to do. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was. I think his mom dies early, and his dad is like, uh, pretty withdrawn from that point, and um they show uh claire's mom as being very uh um she is she is like they call her manic depressive yeah mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah and it's uh very like there are times when she just like disrupts like the whole christmas dinner and stuff and it's really bad so yeah yeah there's a lot there's a lot going on henry's mom dies when he's six but he throughout his time traveling like returns to her a lot Mm-hmm. Um, to different points in her life and in his parents' lives. And also he like obsessively returns to the car crash that killed her um, because he carries this like insane guilt because it's, it's described in very gruesome detail. Mm-hmm. The car, like the, they're on an icy road and someone rear ends them and it sends their car into a construction truck and a piece of sheet metal falls off of it and decapitates her and would have killed him, but he time travels. Mm -hmm. And so he does not get killed, but then is, you know, replaced naked and bleeding back at the source of the car accident while his mother is decapitated and dead yeah. in her car. Yeah, it was like um like a Jane Mansfield type thing. It was really a, it, was a, it was a pretty tough scene to read. Yeah. Was, yeah, so it's a lot of trauma and time travel, I guess. <clears throat> I guess like we haven't also talked about like in the as they're adults, like they are friends with these guys, these people named Gomez and Clarice, I want to say. And so uh, Gomez and Clarice Gomez, Sharice, I'm sorry. Gomez, uh, of course, when I hear the name Gomez, I think of Gomez Adams, though the person 
um, in this book is actually Polish, and that's just like a, an, an affectation he has taken on. And he does some things that Gomez Adams would never do. Like, mm. I was like, you are besmirching the good name of um, Gomez. But um, he is in love with Claire, and like, <clears throat> it comes through in a couple of different ways. Um, they're, they're like, they're, um, I think she's roommates with Clarice, and then like, he like hits on her, and like, even like, they have sex at one point, and it's just this whole thing that like keeps and and I think like everyone knows that he's like in love with her uh Claire but like it's just like everybody just deals with it I guess um that's not a roommate situation I would be able to handle but okay um there's a lot of uh really interesting side characters and I'll have the time I'm like kind of wish the book was like more about them like but um I just Gomez was just like a wild character in me I, I was like what what will he do next it's interesting because I like I liked the I like Gomez and Sharice as characters, but I also felt like the Gomez and Claire subplot, like, I really could have done without that whole thing, period. It didn't mm. really seem mm-hmm. to contribute too much to me. In thinking about it, I almost feel like I would have liked it more if it was, and I'm just thinking of this now, so I haven't thought it through all the way. So this could not hold, this may not actually hold water, but I feel like I maybe would have liked it more if the first half chronologically was just from her point of view and the second half, like, so all of the times that he visited her as a child were just from her point of view as she tries to figure out, like, what his deal is. He says he's a time traveler. Like he knows all these things. He keeps happening. I think he says he's married. I think maybe I'm his wife. And then the second half, we see things from Henry's perspective from starting from the point where she's a stranger to him. Hmm. I think that might've landed better for me than the kind of like rapid back and forth between their two points of view. Hmm. And there were times when I was like, wait, so when did this happen? But I feel like it was more of a distraction than, like, led to the flow of the book. And so I like your idea in that, like, I, you wouldn't have to keep going back and forth and flipping it around to see, like, where we are in time. Um, and maybe instead of a map, I know you said you don't care about maps, Renata, but, like, maybe <laughs> instead of a map, we just have, like, a timeline, like, a little timeline with, like, I don't know, symbols around it to make it look more, like, magical like a fantasy timeline more so than like a map because like the going back and forth I, and I guess that would spoil part of the book I don't know but like the going back and forth was kind of a distraction at times because I was like wait when did happen when what happened when and where and how and it was just there's sometimes we're just like I'm just gonna keep moving because I don't know what's, I'm not sure exactly where we are so I like your idea let's let's sit it on over and have her rewrite it <laughs> I I support you but I disagree i would not like that and i would not like a timeline i liked the sort of randomness of it and and it like it was confusing at times but like it was a confusing situation for them also also we should say at the beginning of every section it would say like a specific date you know like uh like september 10th 2001 or whatever and then it would say like parentheses like claire is 20 comma henry is is 28 or whatever and if he was like mm-hmm. time traveling it'd be like henry is 15 and also 38 or whatever it would like list their ages which mm-hmm. was sometimes like very funny but that that was sort of like the the little handhold you got was like what ages they were mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I, I, I would flip back and forth to like, okay, like what exactly, like where are we supposed to be? Who, wh- at what point in their lives are they supposed to be? And I, I mean, that was helpful. I think it, I think it sometimes disrupted the flow for me. But maybe that's the point, like you're saying or not. I maybe it's like supposed to be disruptive. And if so, it worked. So, kudos. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry to be an Audrey Niffenay or defender on Maine, but I again. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, there was whack shit, and some of it, I think, was, like, whack. Like, there was, like, again, the characters of color stuff was poorly handled overall, even though, like, I, I liked the characters. I just didn't like the way that the dialogue was written. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Out. And some of that also maybe is just, like, dated, but I don't know. I think it was probably whack in 2003. Also... Yeah, that also, I mean, that pulled me out of the story. Yeah. Definitely. There's another time, like one of the people in the um, delivery, no, one of the nurses or something. And it was saying like, what did it say? Oh, Hold that on. she it had was, like a, a, a big beehive, the only beautiful yes. black woman could wear. And I was like, no, oh, wait, yeah, it was, a, 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 Dr. Murray is a very large and has a wonderful beehive hairdo that only certain very imposing and beautiful black women can get away with. And I was like, I just, what the fuck is she talking about? Because and, and, and I don't know what she And this was in means. like the 90s or the aughts or something. Yeah, like this yeah. is not like, yeah. The, the 50s when people were behind, I was like, I don't know what, like, I have seen many beautiful black women. <laughs> like, I don't understand what this is. I don't, I don't know what, what. What is this trying to say? Who is this trying to represent? What is this supposed to be? Like, I feel like it just, there were just a couple times like that where I was like, you don't know any black people and um, that's yeah. okay. But like, don't maybe write as if you do, like actually talk to a black person, talk to, talk to, there's a, um, the Henry's father lives with, or lives in the same building with like a Korean family and they seem really cool. But like, there are just a couple times where I'm like, I wish you would talk to someone who could give you better representation or better understanding of like what this would actually look like or what this would actually be. Um, so I don't know um, if it's like laziness or just like, I feel like I could, she, she felt like she could do it or whatever, but like, you know, that was uh, personally frustrating to me, but yeah. it's not a big part of the book. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to talk about before moving on to our dramatic readings? Um, I'm trying to think. No, I think I'm pretty good. Um, you know, like just in general, like I think it it really just boils down to like a lot of the a lot of the gender stuff just makes this like not work for me. Not in a way that like some of the books that we read don't work for me. Like this I feel like is more at least partially a me problem. I'm not gonna say it's all a me problem. Like I, I do think there are some serious issues with this book, but I don't think it's like some of the books where that we'll read and it's they're just terrible. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think there are some yeah, I think there's some really good ideas here and like I think it's an interesting concept to be sure. I think time travel is really hard and I think she like I think again the whole idea is like showing this like weirdness and understanding of like you're seeing your spouse at a time at a different time as at them as a kid and I think or as a as an older person or whatever and I think that's an interesting idea I just think that there's some things where I'm like uh I wish it's hard for me personally because it's you know a, a man a man visiting his wife's younger self and um it's just a little like there's just a couple times where i'm like oh this is a little weird but yeah. like I, I think it's an interesting idea it just doesn't turn all the way over um yeah. and then yeah. there's other like dated stuff that just kind of like i think me. but i think if the point 
was to be subversive in like doing a meditation on the idea of a housewife who is constantly waiting for her husband to get home from work. I think that to me doesn't come clear in the text. No. In the Mm-mm. text, it just seems like it's almost romantic that she is just mm-hmm. put everything else in her life on hold for this man. And then mm-hmm. after he dies, puts the rest of her life on hold for another 50 years waiting for him. I don't think so. The interview, I don't think sh- the other meant that it was like being subversive. I think it was just sort of like processing that concept. Like, I don't think, anyway, mm-hmm. I like, I think if, it, like I said before, if this were written by a man, I would be really grossed out by it. And that is, that is where the gender comes <laughs> into it for me. But like, knowing that it's written by a woman, then it, to me, that made it a little bit more of like, okay, I can kind of understand this like fantasy of like, a 16 year old girl who like has the sort of like safe older man who mm. like, you know what I mean? Mm. Like again, it, I'm not like horny for it, but I'm not like repulsed by it. And I think it's really <laughs> delicate and I can totally understand it not working for you. But I think like, un- no, I think that that element made me not grossed out by it. And, um, you know, c- cancel me, daddy. I'm problematic. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's an interesting perspective. I, you know, when you said that, it's like, oh, like that idea of like a older man, like who's protective. And like, uh, there's one scene um, that we haven't talked about where like, oh someone my God, how have we not talked about that? Maybe we should read that one. We, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll read that one. Cause that one is, that's a wild situation. But like he, um, he comes back, like, she's like, I need you to, to help me. And, like, he does with, like, little to no provocation. Like, he believes her and he understands her and he makes a move. And so, like, I, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting uh, idea. It's an interesting interpretation. I get it. Like, that that makes sense to me. I If there was that kind of, like, uh, it's not satire. If there was that kind of, like, um, meditation on, like, what it means to like wait for someone and like how it can ruin your life even when you think it's like the most important thing in your life like i i wish she had kind of went further with that and like pushed it a little bit more because i i think that's a really interesting concept but it's just like not quite enough to really like get me thinking that way until you said something or not and that to me is not a sign of a good like that that doesn't show if, if that's what she was trying to think about or if that's what she was trying to like talk about then it's it's not clear enough to me to like just get it from the text itself yeah. Also, I just need to put this truly insane scene in this book into context. <laughs> Claire is like 16 and she hasn't dated anyone because at this point she knows that she's going to marry Henry one day. So she decided she's going to wait for him. And then like there's these rumors going around school that she's a lesbian and because you know it's not that she has anything against once again we get this mindset Mm -mm. in the book it's not that she has anything against lesbians she just isn't one so she decides to go out on uh, some dates with boys from school just so that to like get people to leave her alone and she goes out for a date with this guy and they have a great time but then he wants to have sex with her and she won't and he takes her somewhere and like doesn't rape her, but does like beat the crap out of her, I guess. Like bruises her. She's yeah. bruised. Yeah, she's- and burns her with a cigarette. It's fucked. Yes! Yeah. Oh my god, I forgot about that. That's a wild situation. That's horrible. Oh my god. So when Sorry. Henry comes like the next day, she's like, I need you to do something for me. And he's like, Oh, I don't know. Like, I'm a full grown man. I shouldn't beat up a kid. And then she shows him what he did to her. And he's like, Yeah, okay, I'll do whatever you want. And so they like tape this, strip this kid naked, tape him to a tree. 
Mm-hmm. Henry beats the crap out of him. It, it's Claire just, has a gun. Claire has a gun that they just wave <laughs> around at him. Like he makes her take the bullets out so no one will accidentally shoot this kid. But they do wave this gun in his face and act like it's fully mm-hmm. loaded and they're going to kill him. Mm-hmm. It's like um, in Goodfellas. Like there's a part where uh, one of the characters is like, "Oh, this guy hurt me," and like the main character goes and whips, pistol whips him. Like it's just this just very violent and like unexpected, like out of character. Ah, that was a wild scene. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, another one I just sat up in my chair like wait what are we looking at and like throughout while it's happening Henry keeps thinking like I should probably feel bad about being the crap out of a 16 year old boy but I don't (laughs) (laughs) well Henry we get it we get it I mean he burned his wife with a cigarette I understand oh man yeah so it's you know it's an there's definitely some whack stuff in here. And I think there is also like a generational difference too. Like this book came out 20 years ago. I it, mm-hmm. it's it hits a little different. But um overall, I I liked this more than I didn't like it personally. Hmm. I'm I'm like neutral. I wish it were I I think it could have been edited. Like I think I was like trying to I was sitting as I finished it trying to think of where I would cut and like I think there's some side character stuff that definitely could have been cut out. Um for sure. But I I think there's some interesting ideas and I think um I th- I think it's a, a, an interesting like aspect an interesting representation of like what time travel means and what it means to kind of live your life and, and I like the idea of determinism like what does that mean like are you always set in your path is there any way to change it what does that look like uh you know it's kind of like a, a little thought experiment um that I thought and it, it did make me think uh for better or worse and not just about the terrible um character accents so yeah I would say for me I didn't hate it I didn't like it I'm just somewhere in the middle <laughs> Of not yeah. liking it, but not not being ang- actively angry about it the way I am about so many books that we read for this show. <laughs> uh, valid. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on to our dramatic readings. And I'm going to hit you with the first time that Claire and Henry meet in the in the true chronological timeline where... Henry has never met Claire before, but child Claire has met older Henry. And uh, Claire has gone to the Newberry Library to do some research. The catalog is confusing. I go back to the desk to ask for help. As I explain to the woman what I'm trying to find, she glances over my shoulder at someone passing behind me. Perhaps Mr. DeTamble can help you, she says. I turn, prepared to start explaining again, and find myself face to face with Henry. I am speechless. Here is Henry, calm, clothed, younger than I've ever seen him. Henry is working at the Newberry Library, standing in front of me, in the present. Here and now, I am jubilant. Henry is looking at me patiently, uncertain but polite. Is there something I can help you with? Henry! I can barely refrain from throwing my arms around him. It is obvious that he has never seen me before in his life. Have we met? I'm sorry, I don't... Henry is glancing around us, worrying that readers, co-workers are noticing us, searching his memory and realizing that some future self of his has met this radiantly happy girl standing in front of him. The last time I saw him, he was sucking my toes in the meadow. I try to explain. 
I'm Claire Absher. I knew you when I was a little girl. I'm at a loss because I am in love with a man who is standing before me with no memories of me at all. Everything is in the future for him. I want to laugh at the weirdness of the whole thing. I'm flooded with years of knowledge of Henry while he's looking at me perplexed and fearful. Henry wearing my dad's old fishing trousers, patiently quizzing me on multiplication tables, French verbs, all the state capitals. Henry laughing at some peculiar lunch my seven-year-old self has brought to the meadow. Henry wearing a tuxedo, undoing the studs of his shirt with shaking hands on my 18th birthday. Here, now. Come and have coffee with me or dinner or something. Surely he has to say yes. This Henry who loves me in the past and the future must love me now in some bat squeak echo of other time. To my immense relief, he does say yes. We plan to meet tonight at a nearby Thai restaurant, all the while under the amazed gaze of the woman behind the desk. And I leave, forgetting about Kelmscott and Chaucer and floating down the marble stairs, through the lobby, and out into the October Chicago sun, running across the park, scattering small dogs and squirrels, whooping and rejoicing. So, yeah, it's weird. Uh. <laughs> I The sucking toes part, I just, again, like, it's <laughs> yeah. just, it just is so jarring at, like, random times. Like, it's, you know, there's, like, no build-up to it. So I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I think they decide when she turns 18 that they're going to have sex, and that's, that's a whole thing as well. Um, so, but yeah, that's a Newberry library for you. Just full of <laughs> jubilant young women. <laughs> All right. Um, so this is, I think Kate mentioned this, uh, this is someone hurts Claire. And, uh, when Henry appears, Claire's like, I want you to hurt him back. Um, this is, uh, uh, so Claire picks me up in the Fiat at the end of the driveway out of sight of the house. She's wearing sunglasses, even though it's a dim afternoon and lipstick and her hair is coiled at the back of her head. She looks a lot older than 16. She looks like she just walked out of rear window, though the resemblance would be more perfect if you were blonde. We speed through the fall trees, but I don't think either of us notices much color. A tape loop of what happened to Claire in that little cottage has begun to play repeatedly in my head. How big is he? Claire considers a couple inches taller than you, a lot heavier, 50 pounds. Christ. I bought this. Claire digs in her purse and produces a handgun. Claire, it's daddy's. I think fast. Claire, that's a bad idea. I mean, I'm mad enough to actually use it. That would be stupid. Ah, wait. I take it from her, open the chamber, and remove the bullets and put them in her purse. There. That's better. Brilliant idea, Claire. Claire looks at me questioning. I stick the gun in my overcoat pocket. Do you want me to do this anonymously, or do you want him to know it's from you? I want to be there. Oh. She pulls into a private lane and stops. I want to take him somewhere, and I want you to hurt him very badly, and I want to watch. I want him scared shitless. I sigh. Claire, I don't usually do this kind of thing. I usually fight in self-defense for one thing. Please. It comes out of her mouth absolutely flat. Of course. We continue down the drive and stop in front of a large, new, faux colonial house. There are no cars visible. Van Halen emanates from an open second-floor window. We walk to the front door, and I stand to the side while Claire rings the bell. After a moment, the music abruptly stops, and heavy footsteps clump downstairs. The door opens, and after a deep after a pause, a deep voice says, What? You come back for more? That's all I need to hear. I draw the gun and step to Claire's side. I point it at the guy's chest. Hi, Jason, Claire says. I thought you might like to come out with us. He does the same thing I would do, drops and rolls out of range, but he doesn't do it fast enough. I'm in the door and I take a flying leap into his chest. Oh my God, I forgot about this. And knock the wind <laughs> out of him. <laughs> I stand up, put my boot on his chest, point the gun at his head. Say magnifique, ma c'est n'est pas la guerre. 
I don't speak French. I'm really sorry about that. Uh, he looks kind of like Tom Cruise. Very pretty, all-American. What position does he play? I asked Claire. Halfback. Hmm. Never would have guessed. Get up. Hands where I can see them. I tell him cheerfully. This... <laughs> I forget how old he's how old Henry is supposed to be in this scene. Go back and find out. But like uh thirty two. So he's beating up a sixteen year old child, um, mm-hmm. and pulling a gun on him and kicking him in the chest. I mean, you know, all the things we do for love, right? Yeah, uh, I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and it's interesting like even as I'm reading this, like the scene, like when he's describing how Claire looks, like from her window, like uh, the Aud- Audrey can paint a picture. She really can. Um, <laughs> you know, she's she's a good she's a good writer. It's just sometimes the way it gets put together to me, it's like a little unexpected. But yeah, for no, for sure, for sure. <laughs> <sighs> what a time. Yeah, I I also I forgot to say too. Um, I think she's supposed to be from South Haven. I have been to South Haven. I cannot believe how many connections I have with the time traveler and his wife. Uh, it's nice. It's, it's it's Michigan. It's uh it's pure Michigan. Um, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a lot of stuff I recognize. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move on to Reader's Advisory, where we'll suggest some stuff to read instead of or in addition to The Time Traveler's Wife. Um, Oh, my God. Dorothy just sneezed really abruptly. Um, (laughs) For starters, I just want to say TV-wise, first of all, you know, we know sometimes TV is superior to books. Um, And Mm -hmm. I would say if you want... Something set in Chicago, although the Chicago representation is perhaps not as detailed or accurate as this book. But uh, I still think that the bear whips ass. And I would recommend that, even though it has basically nothing else in common with this other than Chicago. But it's it's very good. I've never seen I still have not seen that. Don't don't come for me, Chicagoans. I know. Well, I know a lot of Chicagoans who are mad at it because of like the Ooh. neighborhood geography depicted. But that aside, oh. like I love the characters so much. Yeah, it's Chicago is a really big city, so like it's kind of unless you wanted to show people stuck in traffic all the time. Like I understand doing a little bit of like magic to figure that out. So interesting. Anyway, um, that's a TV rack. Um, a time travel book rack that I really liked was uh, Life After Life by Kate Atkinson. Um, Ashley, I see you've got one of my faves on your list. Um, um, I, I've, uh, which one? Uh, well, Slaughterhouse Five. Oh yeah, um, I picked Slaughterhouse Five a because um, he, the character, the main character, does get unstuck in time, but also it's a big thing about feet. Like there's a there's a part in Slaughterhouse <laughs> yeah. Five oh, yeah. talking about the cold feet, um, yeah. and I was like, oh, this is so like similar. Um, I don't, I think. Um, they are the idea of like what does life mean and what is it how does time affect that life uh the, it is both in those books but they're they're very different they're not as thought uh, five is not as literary but still um yeah i love that book i love that book mm-hmm. um i'm not familiar with this other one though will you tell me about it please yeah so it's 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 about a guy who um dies a whole bunch of times and eventually like it it, it almost feels like a, a loop where he's like i can't get out of the situation that i'm in and finally uh, something happens that kind of jumpstarts it. And um, I read it a while ago, so I don't remember like a lot of the plot points. But when I, I, I do remember like 
have I was like I have to find the title of this book because it made me think of the same kind of thing someone who's kind of out of time out of space and like how he deals with it and how he interacts with people who are living uh, relative or uh, normal lives um, that so first 15 lives of Harry August is what I'm talking about by Claire North and uh, I really enjoyed that book when I read it so um, written yeah. by Claire another tie-in I know right it's all about the connections um oh another tv show about time travel that's simply better than this book and indeed any book ever written is of course the legends of tomorrow the greatest time travelers ever that's very true sometimes i forget that that shows about time travel because it's about so many things <laughs> <laughs> it is oh, true. It's, DC. it's dc oh boy okay it's, it's oh. dc is but it like though? barely yeah. <laughs> I see um I see Brandon Ralph is in it. Superman himself. Wow. He's, oh, he's so good. He's such a good boy in it. He's my favorite. My perfect angel. I, I like him a lot. I I'm looking at this list. I'm like, I haven't I'm a I'm a Marvel girl. Um, so I don't know a ton of the DC shows and stuff, but I'm seeing a lot of names I like on this. So You don't have to know anything about the DC shows to watch this. Everything you need to know, they make terrible jokes about kind of the okay. the but the, the continuous joke of the later seasons of the show is that they pissed off all of the characters in the regular DC shows so they're not allowed <laughs> around them anymore. <laughs> yeah, and they'll be like, "Oh, did that happen like in a crossover event?" Like they're very um fourth wall breaking. It's so funny. Uh Okay. And the premise, the original premise, it reboots itself and has like 17 different premises, but the original premise mm-hmm. is that these like scrappy misfits get pulled out of the timeline to go fix the timeline. And they're told it's because they know that in the future they're great, you know, they're legends. But actually, it's because they're so unimportant that no one would miss them if they're pulled out of the timeline. And it's the first season is rough. The first season is rough, but ultimately the greatest television show uh, of all time. Yeah. <laughs> season <laughs> two through the end are, is just so fucking insane i i could say so many combinations of words out loud right now that you would have never heard put together before in your life that are things that actually happened on the show ashley i want to tell you about the the season finale final boss battle that is scored to the thong song yeah (laughs) i think i've seen that i think i saw that and i was like what is happening i'm like super into it like i am not a fan of like super serious um superhero oh. stuff Mm-mm. like and i don't you are in so, the like, right I place that. i was like <laughs> i was like ooh, like this is my kind of nonsense uh i love the song song i was i was there when it happened so um <laughs> i would like to watch this I, I gotta look that up i think i've seen that uh clip so worth watching huh oh it's already oh over. extremely i'm still in mourning right. over it like it was canceled like i don't know a year or two ago and i still like think about it all the time yes yeah oh march 2nd 2022 yeah done sold i'm in it it sounds honestly just like this book so i'm really excited for it it's exactly (laughs) like it but less horny Ooh, that's a that's a deal breaker for me it's gotta be horny or it's gotta be at least as horny to ride okay all right that's funny okay um, all right. Well, there's a few other books that I recommend, but I'm just going to put them up on our website, worstbestsellers.com, mm-hmm. because we talked about Legends of Tomorrow during this time, and I have no regrets. Saved. <laughs>
Uh, now it is, of course, time for, speaking of Marvel, The Rock, Paper, Snicked, which is, of course, the game where Kate says who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if you were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if you are in this book. And Ashley can choose which most enhances the book, or Paper, which is to leave the book as is. hmm If Dwayne The Rock Johnson were in this book, uh, he would play a friend of, well, not friend, a social connection of Claire's father, who would be mm. together with Claire's father and brother the day of their hunting trip, and would heroically figure <gasps> out before uh, Claire's brother shoots Henry that that is what is happening, that that is a person, and will wow. stop him from killing Henry, and Henry can go back to the rest of his life and not be killed in a like weirdly foreboding foreshadowing way by Claire's own family members. Um, Mm. And that would be how that changed the book. Hmm. Um, If Wolverine were in this book, I think he would occasionally attend some of the same like gritty punk shows that uh, Gomez and Henry go to and, you know, like drink the cheap beer. And I think it, at some point he would have occasion to punch both Henry and Gomez. Like those guys are both very punchable and they mm-hmm. need to be punched and Wolverine would do it. Um, but then he would, you know, wander off and leave the narrative of the book and it would be ultimately unchanged except that you would, you would know that those guys had gotten, gotten punched at a time when they deserved it. Guys, this is really tough. Yeah. I, I've got to go with, like, punch. Like, first of all, I do not think that Henry and Gomez are punk. Like, I'm also not punk. And so I could also <laughs> spot, like, non-punks. And I'm like, what is punk about these people? So I think that Wolverine definitely would get in their face and be like, you're not, like, a real punk. Like, I'm a 5'2 hairy man. I will definitely fight you. Um, and yeah. he, would, he, would, he, would knock, he would knock him out. So I got to go with Snicked. I am so sorry, uh, Kate. I loved your idea, though. That's okay. It was, it was really no one really loses in rock, paper, snicked. So. <laughs> We're all winners. Yeah, except for Henry and Gomez, who got punched. I think I think maybe it would knock some sense into them. You know, I hope, yeah. I feel like. Mm-hmm. <sighs> all right. Now it's time for Duarte's Corner, where my precious angel Duarte will share his opinions. Yeah, Duarte, I mean, for all the time that Claire, like, complains about being, like, home alone, waiting for Henry, she should have got a cat. <laughs> you're you're so right. I don't know. Normally, Duarte, I agree with your very good opinions about books, but I do specifically feel, as a person who startles very easily, I do fear that having a cat around would, in fact, increase Henry's time traveling. Um, due to the number of times that the cat would sneak up on him and startle him. Mm. It's really an aspect that I hadn't thought about until Thorne brought it up. And now I'm like, so what I'm going to be contemplating for the rest of the week. Thank you so much for your insights. <laughs> really appreciate that. Uh, he's huh. so wise. So wise. <laughs> All right. Um, well, Dorte, thank you for sharing that. Do any humans have any closing thoughts about this book? No. Um, I mean, like I said, no. I guess, like, don't um, don't be so horny as a time traveler. Just, like, be in your space and exist as you are and rest will come to you. I don't know. Like, I, 
I don't know. I, it, I, I think I'm with Kate on this one. Like I'm, I'm kind of, I'm in the middle. I'm, I'm strictly in the middle. Really interesting. Yeah, my main takeaway is somehow I didn't find this book as upsetting as I feel like I should have. Much mm. to ponder. I found it more upsetting than I should have. Also, <laughs> pondering. <laughs> um, my other closing thought is. Um, Thank you, beloved Patreon patrons, for choosing this book, for being patrons. I I hope this discussion was what you wanted. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Do you think people suggested this book because they love it or because they hate it? Or what like what do you think? I I really think a lot of it was because people were like, ew, it's like this time travel man who's like horny for like a child girl. <laughs> like I think I think that concept maybe sort of escaped containment and context. And I think maybe people wanted that to be worse than I really think that it was. And maybe like the TV show and stuff had it kind of fresh in people's minds because that HBO show is pretty recent. Mm-hmm. I think too, because of the way that we do the polls. I think that probably somebody who's been thinking about us covering it for a while probably suggested it. And then as people were reading the poll, I think probably had a lot to do with it is they recognized the name and probably thought like, oh, yeah, that's right. That was so weird. And he went back to when his wife was a little kid. And like, yeah, that's weird. I want to hear them talk about that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like just sort of like name recognition, but not like have read it i don't i don't know patrons weigh in why did you want us to read this i'm, you, I'm so curious you horny freaks <laughs> <laughs> that might, i mean you know what that might just that might just be it they were letting their freak flag fly and if so more power to them shout out to patreon for being freaky and not not caring who knows i love that yeah you horny freaks who i love very dearly and, and cherish mm-hmm, your support mm-hmm, thank mm-hmm. you so much <laughs> Um. All right. Well, uh, if you want to come talk to us about uh this book, um, and you know, I was gonna make some kind of horny joke, and I just don't want to invite that. Actually, if you want to come talk to us about this book in a a chaste and respectful manner, please. Yeah, please find us on Facebook and Instagram. And Blue Sky sort of, although I keep forgetting to post on Blue Sky, but we did register the name, which is worst bestseller spelled normally. And then we are on Twitter still somehow at worst bestseller with no S because the S was tragically amputated after uh, our Twitter got frostbite. And um, <laughs> but we're carrying on bravely. Can't, can't, can't run away anymore. That's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on spotify apple podcasts amazon and all of the regular places that you find podcasts if you do find us on one of those uh platforms please subscribe and rate and review when you rate and review it moves us up on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us uh, if you don't rate and review we are going to get our time traveling older version of our husband mm. to come and tie you to a tree and beat the crap out of you so you, you want to get that review in while you can Oh shit! <laughs> okay, and with this with this sick voice, you're giving like poor little matchstick girl. It's like how can you how can you not do the things that Kay is asking you to do? She's gonna freeze it on the corner, shivering as you like refuse to spend one cent of Patreon money on her matches. How could how could you do that to her, you monsters? Like yeah. come on. 
It's it's Christmas Day. The workhouses are full. So, <laughs> her little her little crutch is <laughs> too short. <laughs> she used it for firewood. It's, it's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you t- you two can purchase my matches at patreon.com slash worst bestsellers, <laughs> which is a service where you give us uh, a few bucks as a small monthly recurring donation. And it goes to Ooh. us to keep us warm and afford the medicine that we so desperately need while we're lying <laughs> on the streets of fucking London or wherever that story takes place. Uh, and in exchange, you get perks like a monthly bonus episode where we talk about what we've been into lately and uh postcards and stickers and all sorts of other stuff we also have merch available uh which you can find by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on the merch button where you'll find all sorts of designs from our podcast wear on your body and finally we do have a discord server which is also linked from worstbestsellers.com where you can join uh, other fans of the show to talk about episodes and books that you're reading and post pictures of your pets. And we always welcome discussion of Legends of Tomorrow on the Worst Bestsellers Discord. <laughs> always. Uh, past, present, and future. We will be talking about it. Um, also, I just want to reiterate again that we did offer to Kate to reschedule and she had to power through uh, like I just I feel like such a you know I feel like on the Scrooge who was like get back to work Kate <laughs> no, it's, they 100% the second I came on the call they were like uh, do you want to reschedule and I was like no I literally don't have any time let's just do it we were like ooh <laughs> no um, you're so brave like you're so brave and uh, we're just so proud of you well thank you I honestly I sound so much worse than I feel that's Ooh. reassuring. Yeah. Because you sound bad. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is, I don't know if this is having the effect that you're going for. Like, okay. Oh, no. Oh, let's, let's, okay. If you want to come scold me for making Kate podcast, I'm, I'm online at Renata Snacks. And you can find me on, uh, Instagram and Blue Sky at 14 across. And Ashley, where can people find you? Oh, man. Um, I am on Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it these days, as The Dazzling One, all in word, of course. Um, I'm also on Blue Sky as The Dazzling One. Um, I uh, What else do I do? I sometimes will do panels and stuff on Library Journal and with um, I'll do reviews on Booklist. So I'm just like kind of around in the library Fear, and I'm always on Twitter talking about food and uh, Chicago and sports and all the books I read. So, um, yeah, please join me. Love to talk to you. Yeah, a, a great, a great follow. Thank um, you. Don't I, that, you're not just saying that because we went to school together. I hope. Of like, course not. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I, I have no, I have no loyalties to my fellow scholars. Only to the Smart. good Twitter follows. <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. Um, all right. We're going to let Kate go go to bed. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks with The Woman in Me by Britney Spears, which I am excited to read. <laughs> I'm so excited for that. 
Uh, all right, Ashley, thanks for joining us. Kate, thank you for giving us your last dying breaths to this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you for having me anytime, anytime. <laughs> and uh, Patreon, Patreon patrons, thank you one more time. You're the best. Mwah. Goodbye. Bye. Bye, guys. To prevent bed swords. <laughs>